everyone. I'm so excited and honored to welcome you to the first episode of the Magnify podcast. It's amazing this is finally out. We've had it in the pipeline for the past two years, but recently we've been able to record episodes which will roll out weekly. Personally, I've been so inspired getting to talk to people I've admired for many years from around the world, hearing their journeys, honestly hearing about their challenges and how their faith has shaped what they do. Something that unites all of us, no matter what season or stage of life we're in, is going through challenges. From my own personal experience, that can be particularly difficult when we've prayed and dreamed of something, and in spite of that, it still turns out to be full of twists and turns. What does life feel like when the rug has been pulled from under our feet, and how can faith help us navigate through this? I had the incredible privilege of speaking to Yasmin, who I met 18 months ago through one of our Magnify events. Yasmin is a digital marketer and calligrapher. In this conversation, she shares what it was like when unexpectedly her husband walked out of their marriage. She talked about the journey of healing she's been on and how she's learned to forgive and what it truly means to have your identity rooted in something unshakable. I'm really excited for you to hear this story. So Yasmin, it's so great to have you on. And to start with, as always, I love to give people a snapshot into your life. So if you could have dinner with anyone from any era, who would they be and why? I think for me, the last two years, um, I've just been listening a lot to a lot of like um, Bethel um, preachers and talks and stuff. So I think for me, the people that I would love to sit at a dinner table with and chat would probably be um, Bill Johnson, um, Chris Valentin, and I just love um, Heidi Baker. I don't know if you know her, she just has a really wild heart and I feel like she's someone who really is outside the bounds of I think what we would call normal um, and so those are people I think that I really admire in terms of like my journey the last while um, and then I think the other person who I think would be a real privilege to talk to would probably be the other way um, I think Michelle Obama I think she's someone I really admire as a woman who has um just excelled in kind of everything she's done I think the way that she has lived her life with such integrity and such character I think as a woman in business um is something that I really admire amazing Um, and how do you like to switch off and relax um, so for me, I love, um, I really love just taking time to um, journal and to do my calligraphy. Um, I think for me, that's been a real place of respite and um, just a space for me to process. And one of the things I found actually a few years ago is that I didn't really have a hobby. And, uh, you know, for me, I actually um, struggle with depression a bit. Um, and I, ha- I have done for since I was quite young. Um, And for me, I think um, my calligraphy has really been um, quite a powerful way of coming out of that and learning to process my emotions in in a healthy and I think holistic way. Amazing. Um, And then finally, what's a surprising fact about you? Oh, I think I think one thing people might find surprising nowadays is I used to be like absolutely obsessed with chemistry. Um, So 
Yeah, I think I think that's quite funny. There was a period where I had 10 different kinds of periodic tables in my room and I was painting one on my wall. So I was a little bit like a crazy scientist um, when I was kind of in um, sixth form and then uni. Um, but that kind of died down, I think, um, as I fell in love and I met my husband. So, <laughs> yeah. Definitely chemistry. You're the first person that has had that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so very unique. Um, so getting into your childhood and growing up, um, can you tell us more about your childhood? You know, where, how and what were the values that shaped your experiences that impacted you? Yeah, I think um, my childhood's quite interesting because I think um, the first six years of my life, I was an only child. And I think that those years are quite formative in terms of your um, your character and your value and your self-worth and stuff. Um, and then after that, my mom had triplets and um, she had another one later on as well. Oh, wow. Where I, Yeah, <laughs> so I, I kind of like, I grew up, um, I think in the first six years being an absolute prim spoiled princess and then I think from the ages of six onwards I was like the complete opposite where I was like constantly helping my mom with the kids and I mean I loved it I think a lot of people when they have like they go from one to four overnight they can get a bit jealous um but for me it was like having three dolls I really value having had that because my mom was quite young when she had me. She was 19. So when she had them, she was only 25. And I think she leaned on me a lot more than I think people would necessarily nowadays. Um, and I think for me, it just taught me the value of really serving people, really loving people. I think, you know, that sense of responsibility. Um, and then on the other side as well, I think for me, um, I'm half Pakistani and half Irish. Um, so I was actually raised as um, a Muslim and my dad, um, you know, I was my daddy's girl, but also I was the eldest daughter in a kind of Pakistani, you know, um, culture. And as a result, with that comes a lot of sense of responsibility and kind of um, waiting on people and looking after people and, and, and I think hosting. Um, yeah, so I think those things for me are probably the most defining things, I think, about me growing growing up in terms of culture and environment and stuff. But I guess you grew up in a Muslim home and now you um, have a different faith. What kind of impacts did faith have on you growing up then? So I think for me, um, so my mom, she's Irish and she's come from a kind of Catholic background, but did not have a very positive um, experience of that. So my my view of like Christians and Catholicisms was always very like was that they're very hypocritical. Um, you know, I think the idea of of Jesus was a bit weird to me and strange, you know, being God and man. Um, and I think being raised as a Muslim for me, you know, I just wanted to please my father and please God. And I think, you know, if that, I, I was quite fortunate in that. I think by the time I got to 15, I kind of, I got to this where I was like, you're either going to do this fully and like wear a hijab every day and, um, you know, pray five times a day or you're not, you know, you're not going to do this at all. Um, 
And I think that, um, you know, well, when I was younger, you know, I went to mosque every week. My father took me to mosque. I was learning Arabic. Um, so it's quite a big part of my life. My two cousins were raised Catholic and they had like their communion and their confirmation and all these other things. And, um, we were all the same age. So there was, there was very much a level of kind of segmentation due to my faith in terms of feeling like they experienced things that I wasn't able to because I was a Muslim. Um, but then at the same time, I would say that by the time I got to around 15, um, I had kind of given up on the idea of, of God in the sense that I wasn't really seeing any evidence in my prayers um, and it all really felt a bit kind of empty and, and pointless in a sense. I wouldn't say that I was a complete atheist as such, but I think I was very much an agnostic at that point. Wow. Um, so can you tell us from that point then around 15, as you said, making that decision to kind of moving on a bit later and then transitioning into work um, and also into marriage? Mm. Um, yeah, so for me, I, so, you know, I grew up to be honest with a, a lot of responsibility and stuff. And, um, to be honest, I missed a lot of school, um, because I wanted to stay at home and help my mom. Um, and my mom was quite, um, she was quite, I think she was quite kind, but also she hadn't received a full education and didn't really understand the value of education. Um, and so as a result, she didn't really push me um, in, into school and stuff as much as maybe she should have done when I was younger. Um, and essentially what that resulted in is when we were doing our A-levels and stuff, um, I was really, really struggling. And I think I, for, you know, for me, it got to a point of like value and identity and feeling um, completely incapable. I really wanted to do chemistry because it was the only thing I felt like I ever was able to do well in without putting in much effort. And I, I genuinely enjoyed the subject. Um, and I think at that stage, that was when I really started to think about God. And, and the reason being was that I was struggling quite a lot with depression. And so when I was, I would say, um, I was maybe 16, 17, um, and I had, I, I, this probably sounds a bit crazy now, but I had kind of decided to myself if I didn't get the grades I'd wanted in my AS levels that I was going to essentially take my own life. And so I was in a really unhealthy headspace and stuff. And I think, you know, um, when I eventually got my grades, they weren't what I wanted. And I think, at that point, I just, I remember this one night in my, in my house, I was quite fortunate because my family were away on holiday and I'd come back early to get my results. Um, and I just got on my knees and I said, you know what, God, if, if you are there, like, I need you to show yourself to me. Um, and prior to then I'd had like quite a few Christian friends and stuff who had, um, been, you know, close to me. Um, and shared their faith with me, but I hadn't really taken it seriously or um, given it much thought, really. And I think the weeks after then, um, I think I just saw God in so many different ways surrounding me with um, with people 
um, who were encouraging me. Um, I had one person gave me a book that I read. It was about um, a guy ch- uh, smuggling Bibles into China. It really impacted me because he saw answers to prayer and they weren't like ridiculous answers. They were like, I need a bar of soap to wash my body. Like, and God would provide it in a really miraculous way. It's honestly really, um, it's a really good read. Um, and I think I, I mean, for me, it just really impacted me at the time because I, I wasn't in a place where I was able to identify as a Christian or with Jesus as God, for example. But um, during that time, I kind of decided to pray and mimic what this guy was doing in the book. Um, And all of a sudden, I just started seeing like answers to prayers. From then on began my journey um, to really um, finding God. And there were so many different things that happened in that time you know, really finding God that year um, and the people that he brought into my life and even to the day before the exams. But obviously you've talked a lot about family was really important to you growing up. Was kind of marriage something that you wanted to do early and how did you kind of end up being married? Yeah, um, so for me, I... Um, I'd never had dated anyone or had a boyfriend. I think that was mainly due to the fact that, you know, my dad was Muslim. And I think, you know, I wasn't, I couldn't bring a guy back to my house. I couldn't really have guy friends. And um, so, yeah, I think that it was something that I wanted and desired and prayed for, but it wasn't something that I thought would ever happen. Um, Praying about it thinking oh this isn't going to happen happen until I'm like 40 um because I think as a lot of women we have that thing where we just we don't really see ourselves um the way other people see us and so sometimes we can think oh no one's gonna want to be with me kind of thing and um funnily enough I actually met my husband in my first year of uni um initially I actually wasn't that drawn to him or attracted to him Um, but every time I prayed about my husband and prayed into that, um, I felt like God really put him on my mind. Um, and I would always be like, no, 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 I'm just being silly. Um, and then I found out one night that he actually liked me, which I didn't know at all. Um, and I think from there, I, I just kind of said, okay, God, like, you know me better than I know myself. So yeah, I think I just kind of decided to um, to let him in and to give him an opportunity to woo me, and um, and he did. He sweeped me right off my feet. Like honestly, I think the way I used to describe it is, I I dreamt in in two D and God answered in three D. You know, I think it was so much more than I ever could have even known to pray for. Like he was. Um, he was just so funny and like, you know, and handsome and charming, you know, and I just, I loved being around him. Um, and I think when you're married to someone as well, you, you kind of grow into one another too. And I guess for me as someone of faith, one thing I've struggled with sometimes is knowing when God has put, um, something on your heart or into your life. And at a certain time, it may feel that things aren't panning out in the way that you 
really felt clearly they were supposed to be. So can you tell us about, um, I guess, a challenging season in your life and maybe how it impacted your relationship with God as well? Yeah, I think um, for me, obviously, the most challenging season um, has been kind of the last two years. So, um, you know, two years ago, my husband um, just up and left um, with very little uh, reasoning really and not really um, any heart to work through things or to resolve things um, and that was really hard. Had you noticed kind of anything before that point? I to be honest I think now that I look back I had like he was always very doting on me um, and I think that you know, I think I noticed, like, if I asked him to do something, like, I noticed a little bit of selfishness that was starting to seep in. Um, and for me, I think, especially with him, I was very um, not selfish, you know, I would put him above me, um, you know, wherever I could to the best of my ability. And I think for me, you know, in a partner, I expect the same. Um, so I will give you all of me, but I expect the same in return. And I will call you out, you know, if your, your actions are not loving or not, um, you know, not preferring me to yourself. And I think I noticed, I noticed a few things where his behavior just seemed off and I kind of put it down to the fact that he was really stressed at work and, um, yeah. And I think, um, I think the thing that I noticed most was probably in the last, I would say, month, um, a lack of willing to resolve disagreements, um, which I think as women, you know, we so want, <laughs> we so want to sometimes like resolve everything and fix everything and have it perfect. Um, and that was really, really hard on my heart, I would say, um, because I, I mean, to this day, I really love him. What um, then was the impact on your relationship with God? Because sometimes I guess when we go through challenges, um, that can put a strain on our um, faith. What, what was that like for you? Yeah, I think there were so many dimensions to it. Um, you know, I think, you know, I I was very guarded about who I let into my life in terms of like, men and stuff you know I'd never dated anyone I wasn't planning on dating anyone unless they were my husband um and you know so for me I really felt like I'd heard clearly from God that he was to be my husband and so I think it was quite a scary place to be to feel like you've heard God say something clearly and yet it's not working out you know, kind of as you'd imagine, because it can kind of seem like, oh, so God knew he was going to do this, but then, you know, he let me go into this anyway. And I think, um, I think the biggest thing is learning to garden and tend to your heart, because I think that, you know, ultimately in those moments where there is such deep grief or pain or loss, it's very easy to start to mold um mold mold things to what's easy to excuse um so for example you know oh um maybe god isn't all powerful or maybe um you know maybe he isn't good um and i think that i was very privileged in that i had you know a number of different incredible 
um, people of of caliber and faith around me, and especially women covering me in that. Um, and I think you know the biggest thing I did was to choose to believe that God was good because I it did not feel like that. You know, from my perspective, it was like, God, you knew what was going on in his heart. You should have brought it up in church. You should have brought it up with his leaders. You should have, you know, shown it earlier. You should have dealt with it earlier. You should have spoken to him like he's your son. I'm your daughter. You should have fixed it. Um, And I think the reality is, is that we live in, you know, um, you know, for me, one of the ways I approach stuff like th- this is that I heard someone ages ago um, explain something to me as uh, where two things don't seem to make sense or they seem like they're conflicting with one another. Um, how can God be good, but they're suffering, you know, um, things like that. And I had someone explain it to me as kind of like um, there's two two different um ideas was one was like we're we're in a 2d world and god is like a 3d finger and you know in a 2d world if you look at that finger from one angle you know you're going to see a line another you're going to see a circle you're going to see lots of different shapes and everyone is seeing a fraction of the picture that they can that they can begin to grasp um but no one's ever really seeing the full picture because we're seeing in 2D and not 3D. And I think in moments of uncertainty and moments where I don't understand stuff, I think it's really important to be measured with ourselves and to just be, I think, really humble to understand that we don't see the full picture and God does. And so I may be seeing a line right now and it may look like God looks like this or it may look like he's like that. But the reality is, is that I need to stand on his word because my emotions are going to fluctuate based on the circumstances. My, um, you know, my choices will then, you know, change based on that. But his word is, is kind of firm and everlasting and, and steadfast and true. Um, and then another one is the idea of, um, you know, the strings on a guitar or a violin. You know, you need that tension of both sides to be able to make that beautiful sound. And so I think where there are two things that seem like they're against each other, but actually God is doing something beautiful in the in-between. And so I think there's just a very big part of learning to say, I don't, you know, I don't understand it all. And to this day, you know, there are lots of things I think I wrestle with, with God, but I bring them to him and I let him know. I don't let myself fester um, because ultimately he wants to be in relationship with me. Um, and, and, you know, that is the heart of, of, of our faith, really, that God wants to be in intimate relationship with us. And I have seen God do the most you know, ridiculously beautiful things in this time in the midst of such great pain. Um, but I don't think I would change it for the world because I've got to see more of his faith. Um, and I know obviously you've recently come back from New York and we've spoken to Elizabeth about it, but for a lot of people, the idea of God as a father or even provider is very abstract, um, particularly when we go through difficulties. So particularly looking at your time in New York, what does God as a father and provider mean to you? I'm the sort of person who I think 
you know, if something, if it says something in the Bible, I'm going to go after it. And even if I don't see it yet, I'm going to continue going after it. And um, I think, you know how I was saying at the beginning of, you know, having those six years where I was a bit of a prim princess um, (laughs) and spoiled. I think that, you know, for me, I really just approached um, God in that way, you know, and I think sometimes I'm a little bit cheeky with him and I'll ask him for things that are just a a little bit outrageous. Um, but I'll just kind of be like, daddy, you know, I'm your favorite. I'm your favorite daughter. (laughs) You want to hit me up? Um, so I think one of the things that, you know, for me had been on my heart for years, actually, I really wanted to do it with my husband was that I'd really wanted to go to New York. And I'd always said to God, um, God, I really want to go when I can afford it, um, to be able to really enjoy it and to really, um, you know, to be able to go and explore the coffee shops and know the local spaces, to be there long enough to really feel um, that I've that I've lived there. And in my head, because I was married, I'd always thought that that would be like maybe two or three months and somehow God would orchestrate both our work, sending us there um, to work for a bit. Um, you know, after my husband left, um, you know, it's something that I think I just continued to, to ask God for, um, as a daughter, I'd said to him, you know, dad, I really want to go to New York. And I think uh, my husband left in April, the year before last. Um, and by January last year, I was doing a kind of vision board dream, dreaming for the year. And one of the things I said was like, come on, daddy, it has to be this year. Like, you know, my husband's left me, like we've been through all this stuff, like, come on, you need to send me now. And um, honestly, it looked like a complete, like no, no, non-starter. Like there's just no opportunity. I was asking at work. I was being really cheeky at work, being like, guys, I'll give you a presentation on why you should send me above everyone else in the company. Um, I was just being my cheeky self. And um, it came to, I would say, about April. And what ended up happening was, uh, and this, this is one of the things where you just know that God is so, he's so good. He's so kind, but he also knows what we need. So my, my manager came up to me and said, Yasmine, we're actually going to be sending you to New York, um, for between three to six months. Um, you know, do you want to go? And I was like, Oh my goodness. Yes, I do. Um, and it happened that that day I had a half day, um, And I was going to go and meet my leaders later on in the day and just have coffee with them. Um, So I'd found out in the morning that I was going to New York and then I went to see my leaders. um, And then that day they, they had to share some really sad news with me, which was that they had actually seen my husband with another woman um, in a restaurant. Um, So, you know, For me, it just blows my mind that, you know, I hadn't seen my husband since really he left. He had avoided, you know, contact with me and um, had just completely cut me out of his life. And then to find this out, like the same day I found find out I'm going to New York, I really felt like it was God's gift to me um, to give me hope for the future. Um, So, you know, it was a really tough time. um, But I think, you know... I, I actually ended up meeting my husband that day um, just to talk because um, 
he'd messaged me, I think two days earlier saying, oh, are you around for a chat? Um, and I had thought it was a really positive thing. And my leaders met with me because they wanted to tell me face to face, you know, we thought it was a positive thing too, but unfortunately this is what we've seen. So we just want you to prepare your heart. Um, and I think one of the things I noticed about you from the first time we met last almost over a year ago now, actually, by Mondays, was just how much grace you have, particularly in the situation. And I know sometimes I've seen with people when they have been let down by people, that makes them bitter. I guess of forgiveness, because forgiveness is never easy. And has forgiveness been something that you've wrestled with? Or what has been your kind of, yeah, walk with forgiveness in the midst of what's happened? Yeah, I think, I think it's a hard one. And I think that um, you know, for me, it really goes back to tending to my heart as a garden. Like, I think, you know, after everything that happened, um, for me, there was no, there really was no room for any of that. Because, you know, for me, I, I really struggle with um, depression. And so for me, it was either Jesus or nothing you know, and, and Jesus way is that we have to forgive because Jesus has forgiven us. Um, so I think for me, I really had to choose to trust God to be my vindicator, to trust God to be the one who, um, you know, who, I don't, I don't know how to describe it, but like, is there to protect me from, um, from kind of my husband's actions against me or anything he might do to hurt me. So similar to with the New York situation, you know, I find, found that out, um, you know, the same day I found out that other, you know, really sad news that he, he was dating someone, um, you know, that was really hard, but I feel like God, he covers our hearts. And to me, you know, the moment that I married my husband, he became my family. So he has done a lot of things that would really hurt me and, um, you know, upset me. Um, but at the same time, it doesn't change the fact that I love him. And the other thing is, is that God's love is the standard. I, you know, for me, my understanding of marriage has always been that it is a reflection of God's relationship to us and how he relates to us and so my heart has always been that my marriage is meant to reflect that and I guess in this situation you know one of the things that I've tried to do is reflect the heart of Jesus towards him and that is that you know that you you we all make silly choices we all have times where we mess up badly but that, that isn't who we are. You know, who we are is who Jesus says we are. It's who God says we are because God has given each of us a plan and a purpose. And so for me, I really took it as my responsibility to pray for him, to speak over him who, who God says he is, even when he's at his ugliest and his messiest. And that has cost me so much that has cost me standing in front of him when he tells me the most painful things that, that you could ever hear. But at the same time, you know, you're speaking love to that person. And I think that 
you know, for me, that has just been the standard and it's not been easy. And I, did, I haven't always got it right. You know, there are times where I do want to kill him, but, um, you know, but I think, you know, at the end of the day, I made a covenant with him that I would love him until death do us part. And I think, you know, for me, all I can do is walk that out to the best of my ability. And I trust God in the rest of that. You know, I'm not a hostage in the situation. I have a choice. Um, and I've chosen to walk out um, trying to really reflect the heart of the Father towards him because God's been so good to me. I I feel like God's poured into me. And so I've been able to release that to him, if that makes sense. Wow. Um, and you talked a lot about the journey that you've been on and you obviously talked about leaders. I know you've got really amazing friends, um, but what have been some of the things and people that have helped you on your journey of healing? And it would be great to kind of, I guess, also be practical as well as the spiritual element. Mm, yeah. So I, um, I'm actually very, very privileged to have, um, my leaders, um, Alex and Dorcas, they're very close to me. They treat me as their own daughter. Um, and one of the things that was actually the hardest thing, um, that was said to me after everything happened was that my, um, my leader said to me, uh, Dorcas, she said, Yasmin, you can take a day, maybe two but you need to go back to work. And I was like, excuse me? <laughs> Are you not aware of what's going on right now? <laughs> I was like, oh, hell no. Like, she didn't just tell me I need to get back to work. My husband's just left me. And I think for her, she'd really felt strongly, you know, in her heart when she's praying that there was, there was just, you know, like, you know, take a day or two, but Yasmin needs to go back to work. And I remember I went to one of my other leaders. Um, her name's Cara. I think you've met her. And I said, Cara, you will not believe what Dorcas said to me. She said to me, I need to go back to work. And um, she, said, uh, she said to me, Yasmin, I know it sounds crazy and I feel crazy saying this to you, but I actually agree with her. I really feel the same thing. And I was just like, what? <laughs> um, so I think that to be honest, the most powerful advice I was given was that, and I think it for them at the time, I think it really took so much out of them to say that to me because it felt very counter what the, what, you know, what people would normally say, what therapists, would say what work would say and even people at my work were like Jasmine do you need to take a break or you know take a few weeks off but I really think that that would have been quite um unhelpful I think it was just really hard for them to say that to me um but God blessed me so much in my work these last two years you know I was promoted I got to go and work um in Amsterdam at one of our client offices Tommy Hilfiger Calvin Klein which was incredible and then I got to go to New York you know so I think that if they hadn't said that I would have missed out on all of those really like fulfilling opportunities that have given me time and space to grieve and process um, and my final question is around identity because I know for a lot of us identity can either yeah it can be impacted um, positively and negatively by the people around us or our experiences um, what does I identity mean to you and is that something that's evolved um for you as you've progressed from I guess growing up 
within your family, being the eldest to being married through the challenges that you went through. Yeah. So what does identity mean to you? What's been your journey with identity and discovering your own? Yeah, I think, to be honest, this is probably quite a big one for me because I think that, I think, well, I think for everyone, really, I think we all struggle with our identity. You know, I think when I was at school, I really identified myself as, you know, a chemist. And then, you know, when I became married, I just identified myself as, you know, Stephen's wife. Um, you know, you know, I'm a follower of Jesus and like, I'm daddy's girl, <laughs> I would say. Um, I think that, you know, for me, probably the biggest thing for me um, was that, you know, I came from not the most educated background. Um, and I really had to work very hard to get into chemistry. I And essentially, um, so, sorry, sorry, Ruth, my little sister's just come into the room. <laughs> it's distracting me. Um, but I had to work very hard to get into chemistry. And once I'd done my master's, I'd kind of got to the point where I was like, I'd felt like I was constantly trying to prove that I was smart enough, that I was capable, that I could do this, um, this degree. And, and actually I was just burnt out. And I, I remember I said to God at the end of my master's, like I wanted, you know, my dream would have been to go on, to have gone on to work at a GlaxoSmithKline and, you know, go and do some major drug discovery or something. But I said to God, you know, God, would you just place me somewhere where I will flourish, where the Yasmin that you designed will flourish, where, you know, every part of me gets to feel fulfilled. And, um, and yeah, and, you know, now I'm working in a digital marketing agency. I get to be the personable um friendly Yasmin that I am in front of clients, but then I also get to be the geeky, sciencey person, um, coding to to kind of visualize our data or whatever. And I think that, you know, for me, the hardest identity of letting go was actually that identity because, you know, for me it was it was kind of I, I think even more so than my husband, it was my value was attached to it. You know, was I smart enough? Was I this enough? Was I that enough? Like um so yeah I think in terms of identity that was the hardest thing but you know now especially after my husband leaving you know that you know I think that one of the challenges has been not to feel shame in the fact that he's left um and not to feel like I can't talk about the fact that you know or my husband or you know maybe in future my ex-husband but you know I've learned to just be myself um unapologetically and to know that before anything I'm actually Jesus's I belong to him I belong to God you're so inspirational Yasmin and I think just your vulnerability and your strength um, and I think that strength sometimes we think in society is very much about being loud and kind of screaming from the rooftops how strong we are but just what you've been through but how you said it you're not going to let it define you I find yeah really captivating and I'm sure will inspire a lot of people listening so thank you so much for your time thanks so much for joining us for this episode don't forget to subscribe and if you know anyone who might benefit from this go ahead and share this with them also don't forget to rate and review it really helps us out see you next time Thank you.